Welcome to the Carl Reader Show. Hello and welcome to the Be Your Own Boss podcast, where today I'm delighted to be joined by a colleague and friend of mine, and Georgie is a lady who I've worked with on Share Radio. She's had the pleasure of sitting into the in the interviewer seat with me, and today I've got the pleasure of grilling her. So, Georgie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You find me in a very unusual situation. It's much but easier for me to be the interviewer, so I'm... This is it. The tables are turned. The bright lights are on me. <laughs> so, Georgie, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, um... Georgie Frost. I've been a broadcaster, well, my whole career. I started out in sport, started out from the Guardian um, radio division and then moved to the BBC as a sports reporter. I am quite open about the fact that around 2008, I had quite a serious back issue that took me uh, a while to properly recover from and uh, eventually I ended up doing a, a master's to properly recover because I was told um, after my back operation in 2008 that I would end up in a wheelchair if I didn't stop driving around the country, which as a sports reporter is very difficult to be a sports reporter if you can't drive around. Sure. So I decided to stick in one place, do a master's and then get a proper job. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe PR or something, you know, proper job, right? Yeah. Not broadcasting. Uh, and then I um, and then this job came up for a uh, a radio show. And I thought, well, that sounds that sounds interesting. I, I can talk a bit. Um, it transpires. The radio show was all about finance. Mm. And I thought, what the heck do I know about finance? And all my friends laughed and said, well, you're crazy. And I don't know. Literally, I don't know why I said yes, but I did. I pat myself on the back for saying yes. Uh, within 18 months, I was named the financial broadcaster uh, of that year in the UK and the top five radio presenters or best new voices um, and some other things. And yeah, and that's and that's where it went. So I I presented a talk show on personal finance and consumer affairs, which is how I know your good yes. self, because you came on my show. Thank you very much. And um, and then when that stopped the radio station, I then I sort of branched out a little bit more. I became uh, I worked at a company as um, perhaps a voice of, as it were, a consumer champion. Uh, that was an interesting experience for me because I'd never been in that commercial sector and I realised that I think I prefer the the autonomy, the freedom that comes with being your own boss. Sure, sure. Uh, and not having to toe a party line. And I think that was quite an evolution for me to figure that out. I had mm. a wonderful experience. But sometimes you need to go through those experiences to figure out what it is yes. that you like to do. So I have been doing my own financial podcast for a very long time. It's very successful, thankfully, and thanks to everyone who listens. Uh, with This Is Money, that's the Daily Mail's uh, money section. And I've recently gone back, in, back tentatively, into sport by doing and launching a business of sport podcast with the guys from the Mail Online. I'm also taking my FA Level 1 coaching. And I feel like absolutely it's not been wasted. That five years that I've gone into finance has taught me so much. Sure. And it it's made me a much better journalist, a much better... If I do want to go back into sport full-time, which I don't know, but 
it's made me yeah a much better fuller person in terms of of that and just the experience of doing something that you didn't think you could and proving yourself right for me it's never been about proving other people sure. right Sure. So um, this is actually um, really interesting. So you've summarised your journey since the point that we had our last conversation. Mm. And our last conversation, if um, the listeners aren't aware, was funnily enough a podcast about the year of yes. And that came at about the point that you were um, leaving the radio station and about to embark on um, you know, new ventures and you didn't quite know what that was going to be. Yeah. So um, what what I think will be a really good way to to start this chat is not to look at the stuff before that. So we'll re-release that podcast so that the listeners can hear it. Yeah. Um, but actually, a couple of years on from there of applying the Year of Yes principles, what's changed within your life and what benefits have you had over that time? Well, I'll just summarise that just because I think it, is relevant to what I then sure. subsequently did. And if you are interested in a fuller uh, explanation of that year of yes, listen to the podcast, of course. I've also written about it on LinkedIn. Um, I knew that the radio station was um, not going to last. Sure. I think is the way of putting it. Uh, half of our staff got sacked at Christmas, and I knew from that point on Things things were not looking good. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty clear to me coming in on my monthly visits that there weren't as many people around as there were the last time. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And and it's sensible, obviously, to have, have a plan in place mm. as, as to what you're going to do. My plan was not really a plan, though. It sort of landed on me, and I'm not really sure why it did because actually if you've just listened back to what I've said I don't really sound like someone who's probably quite frightened to take on a challenge sure. hence why. but actually <laughs> I, I I probably was I mean it didn't I weighed up going to share radio it wasn't just a, oh let's go and do a finance show yes. when I know nothing about it you know there would have been elements to it it's in London you know it would have been a full-time job full-time job full-time wages you know I spent sure. most of my career in freelancing and there is some security in that so that you know, there would have been reasons for it. It was a risk, but... So I decided, when I was asked, um, if I would come on to a panel that the FT were organising, this was in early 2017, um, to talk about what it takes to be a top female financial broadcaster. And my opening line was, when I work it out, I'll let you know. Sure. Um, but I was, I was quite nervous about this. You know, I'm there with Channel 4's, you know, uh, broadcasters, uh, the Sunday Times, um the personal finance editor of the FT, and me. Mm. And I thought, okay. <laughs> and I'd been given two days' notice because I was filling in for someone else. Sure. And you know what? That's a good lesson in life. It's okay to be second choice. Just make sure next time you're their first choice. Um, and I thought from that point on, do you know what? I'm going to say yes to every opportunity that came my way. Um, obviously, there were caveats to that. Uh you know, if I couldn't stop doing one job and then, sure. you know, but it was it was the little ancillary bits that you'd be asked. I say little things like uh, giving a speech, appearing on a panel. Mm. Um, one of them was uh, doing a live TV debate about Asian equities when, you know, I had to Google what Asian equities were. Uh, we've, we've all done it, Georgie. Uh, yeah. But, um, but I think <laughs> would, it, would but, it be safe of me to summarise that 
rather than year of yes, rather than being saying yes to absolutely everything from a literal perspective, it's a change of mindset to be what? more it, open to it, opportunities. No, it was literally. Okay. Say, no, it was literally saying yes to every work opportunity that came my way. Um, I, I said no to nothing. Wow. That I can remember. Um, literally nothing. I, I, I tried all sorts of things. Um, some things I was good at. Sure. And some things I was less good at. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, what was wonderful about it is I, I learned so much about, and I would recommend doing this for anyone, if nothing else for an experiment, but to see, you know, what what do I really like to do? Mm. You know, you, it's quite ad hoc. I mean, it's it's not exactly a planned thing and a progression and I don't know if you in your business capacity would ever recommend anybody do this but I certainly would if you're yeah, like I said, it explores the things that you love. Yeah, but I've, I've kind of done it myself. So um, obviously this isn't about me but I'll talk a bit about that down the line. Absolutely. Mm. And it, it, We are our own worst enemy, our own worst stumbling block. How many times have you been offered an opportunity or you know, a date or something, and you talk yourself out of mm. it. Oh, I'm not good enough, or maybe it's not right for me. And we're very good at that. We're very resilient. You know, if you don't do something, we can say to ourselves, well, it wasn't right for us anyway. Yeah. We'll take that away from the equation. Just take it off the table. I, I had no choice. It didn't matter if I thought I'd be good at something or not. Sure. I just had to do it. And there were times when, like I said to you, I wasn't that good. But then you think, Okay, well, just remember what you were like when you first started out in your job, mm. when you first started any course or anything. Were you immediately great? No, of course you weren't. If you were, well, it would be rubbish 10 years later down the line. Sure. And you are expert. So I, I sort of rationalised it that way and thought, well, okay, what did I learn from that one experience? If I didn't think mm. it went well... What would I do for next time? Okay, and from a bigger picture perspective, so you you did this for, let's say, year one, because I know you adapted your year of yeses as you went along. Yep. What was your biggest learning in year one? (laughs) So the year one year of yes, I didn't intend, by the way, for this to become years of, but it was Mm. just a one year. Uh, One was that it's amazing what you can achieve. Sure. Once you take away the I can't and just do it, just do it. And the second one was that while work is a great thing, it is not everything. Sure. And so, and so I wrote a follow up that 2018 was to be my year of yes to life. Okay. And I, I, strangely, I started that. So I've written that up as well on LinkedIn. And I started the year sort of reflecting on all the work successes I've had which were once I'd got that year of yes 2017 to work, the confidence that gave me, the platforms as well that Mm. gave me, put me into a position work-wise where I did loads of stuff that I'd never done before. Appeared on Five Live 40 times, all those sorts of things. I wrote for the FT, the Mail. But I said, but this wasn't about that. What this was about was a year of yes to life. And I said, well, what does that mean? And so I thought, right, well, I only went to two countries in 2017. I was too busy saying yes to work. So I'm going to go to six countries this year. Okay. And most of them I'd never been before. Um, and I, I did other things. I went back to do art classes, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, what is it? What is it that's life? Okay. But then also I got made redundant that year. I got hospitalized for my 
sure. condition. Um, and I lost two uh, beloved grandparents and I was with them in their dying okay. hours. And my ultimate takeout from that was that is life. The good, the bad, mm. you know. And for that, I said, thank you 2018 for showing me that, that life is all of those. Sure. You can't have pleasure without feeling the pain. And so I said, thank you to 2018 for showing me that what, what, what really matters and what really matters to me is is love. So sure. part three this year was year of yes to love. And I don't mean that necessarily in relationships, although that, that comes into it, but love of yourself, love of your career, love of the things you do. What do you want to do with your life? Because it sure. is so short. So I've so I decided to, at the start of this year, do my bucket list, number one, go to the Galapagos Islands. Okay. Yeah, I always wanted to be a bit of a David Attenborough figure. Um, and it was it was an amazing trip. Mm. Just incredible. Life perspective, incredible. Um, I went back into sports journalism. Yes. As you know, uh, going back to the thing I love. And it wasn't just sports journalism. I'm, I'm off to the to the Cricket World Cup. You know, Fantastic. I go as much as I can to, to sporting occasions and I really l got that love of my my job, my life. I got a new home, a car. I haven't had a car in ten, five, five years maybe because sure. of quizzes on my back. I love to drive. <laughs> oh, I don't think my neighbours love me to drive, but I do. And so, yeah, this was the year that I, I focus on myself. So I've taken a bit of a, a slower down approach. I'm looking at a longer term, whereas 2017 was much shorter term. Sure. You know, being a broadcaster is very short termist. Now it is about growing, growing my home, my family life, spending more time with the people that I love, growing a longer term career. What is it that I want to do, not just tomorrow or by the end of this year, but in 10 years time? Do you know, this is this is fantastic and it really sums up the essence of Be Your Own Boss because often, you know, people might look at the title of a podcast or um, books that say Be Your Own Boss and they perceive it to be just about business but actually it's about that personal empowerment yeah. and what you've talked about so far is um, anyone's able to do this, anyone's able to take control of their life, be the boss of their own life and, um, you know, take some steps to actually really direct where it goes mm. you know um whilst you didn't know what you'd be saying yes to on the first of january um what you did say yes to at that point was um having some direction and some forward momentum so well i've got so many questions but i'm going to try to try to cut down to the essential ones and the first one is i mean clearly you plan to start with just to do one year and then it developed to year two year three do you see this being part of your life going forward? You mean, <laughs> uh, when you're 80, do you see yourself having the year of yes for... I'm running out of... Uh, yeah, you're running, running out of subjects. Uh, but do, do you see this being a continual process or do you feel that it will be capped off at some point? Um, no, I didn't see it as a continual process, but I, I think what are the three main elements to, to I guess... To, to life and learning and that was what was work and then it was life and then it was love and I said May 2019 and every year after be dedicated to to that okay and to growing within within that sure and keeping 
I'm, I'm reluctant when I say things like love because it sounds a bit wishy-washy and a bit, you know, but I don't I don't really mean it. There's love comes in all sorts of forms, but mm. I genuinely, that passion, the energy, the thing that comes from deep inside and I'm actually holding here in my yes. chest at the moment yes. as I say this, it's the things that motivate you. Well, it's for, let's be honest, it's for sports journalism. But it's, yeah, the sports is clearly shining through as something that is yeah. your personal driver. Absolutely, but it... It's about having a purpose, and what you'll you'll probably see because you speak to business people all the time. If you don't have passion, if you don't have drive, if you don't have a purpose for what you do, you will fail. Yes, you will fail in love, and you will fail in life, and you will fail in work. So that's that's what I mean. Mm. It's having that sort of sense of purpose and meaning, and I hope that it will be refined as I grow older. You know, I think what essentially I did in in three three years and hopefully for the rest of my life now but was I just grow up sure like I've distilled what should have been what we learn over our lifetime into three years I'm still learning I'm still Mm. super Mm. excited about where that could go and maybe you know what maybe I will start again and do another year of yes because we're constantly changing all the time it's one of the big fallacies about us is we're fixed this is who we are you are not fixed you are constantly growing and developing. And the only reason not to be the best best person you can be or the only issue is you. But you've also addressed the stagnation that so many people suffer. You know, and I, I don't know at what point that stagnation comes in. I, I would imagine it would be teenage years where you start regressing to comfort zones. You do what's yeah. easy rather than what's right. And, you know, if, if you think of, oh yeah, certainly um, I know for myself, and I'm sure you'd be the same and many listeners, uh, if you think back to your eight or nine year old self, you know, you're you full of hope and you're <laughs> full of energy and you're full of, you know, if somebody says, would you like to do, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't doubt yourself, you would do it. And at some point during your teenage years, that gets beaten out of you. Perhaps, do you know, I, perhaps, perhaps, I'm not sure why I have the mind I do. Um, I, I look at my dad and and he has a very young mind you know he's yes. constantly fascinated by things i don't actually ever view myself as as that as an 8 year old i i constantly believe that that next year could be better or Fantastic. you know that life is like i said i mean the only reason not to enjoy or love what you do is is you but i genuinely believe a lot of this um from what i've seen of you over the years has come from this process perhaps perhaps i i mean yeah, there's a huge amount that came from it. A lot of confidence, a lot of learning. I'm a big proponent of, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Dr. Carol Dweck's book, I have Mindset. No. It's okay. about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Yes. People who think that that's about as good as you can achieve and other people who think, no, actually, I can constantly get better. And I think what the 2017 year of Yes to Work taught me was that, yes, I can improve in things. And if I... Like I said to you, if I'm not great at something already, where did I go wrong? Sure. What happened? But I actually think where this all really came back for me personally, my life changed. And I want to point out, by the way, before I I move on to that, is that we have this idea, and maybe it's the Instagram life, that when people talk about the things that I've I've spoken about and, you know, year of yes to this, and I do this speech and da 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 right it doesn't mean that people don't have doubt moments it doesn't yes. mean that they're a finished article it doesn't mean that I don't you know have a moment where I just think I can't do anything anymore right we we all have that and that is perfectly okay stress can be useful mm. in in the right way 
a lot of emotion it shows you care but like i said you're developing you're growing all the time if it's useful keep hold of it if it's not useful learn from it and move on from it but i think the seminal thing for me was um in 2014 doing a pain course at St Thomas's Hospital and before that I'd been what can only be described and maybe I'm being a bit unfair on myself I was a jobbing BBC sports reporter sure you know I presented some shows but driving all around the country um and I didn't really know where I wanted to go what I wanted to do I thought I'd lost the love of sports journalism I think actually it was just tied into the fact that I I couldn't do what I wanted to do anymore and, and that made me upset but I was lucky enough to go on an NHS month-long course to learn to live my life in pain. So I live every day of my life in chronic pain. Sure. And it's getting worse. But I always say, as the pain gets worse, my mind gets stronger. Mm. So there you go. Um, but I spent yeah, one month, and I would recommend if anyone could do this, it's fantastic, because it taught fundamental principles of you know goal-setting, yes. But the thing that I took away most was... And I remember that the lowest point in my life became the, the most important point when I was sat there with a lot, a lot of other people on this course. There's about 10 of us and we're facing a whiteboard uh, in a, you can just imagine a sort of a school classroom sure. almost. Um, and there's a doctor with a whiteboard and she says, what are the things that you tried to do to cure your pain? And, you know, people shouted all sorts, drugs, you know, acupuncture, Pilates. The board filled up, filled up, filled up. And then she stopped and she turned around and she said, why do you think there's so many? And it's like, you know, the kind of movie moment where the camera pans in yep. on you. Yeah, yeah, I had that. And I was like, it's because there's no cure. Mm. And for the first time of living with something for six years, not knowing am I disabled, um, why why can't I do these things anymore? You know, I was such a sporty girl. You know, what's wrong with me? There's no cure. And she just wrote on the blackboard, in, or whiteboard, in massive no cure, ringed it. And for two days, it was the absolute nadir. I was bereft. Mm. My God, there's no cure to this. I kept telling myself, if I just did this, if I just did this... So I'm a big proponent, if you do meet anyone with chronic pain, don't say to them, have you tried this? Because false hope is a wonderful thing. False hope is bloody expensive. Yes. It's awful. But it taught me to totally reset. I remember afterwards we went out, the hodgepodge of people you can imagine, mm. into the local park and we grabbed a tennis ball and we just threw the tennis ball between us. And bearing in mind, you know, I got scouted for England netball back in the sure. day. It was the most pleasurable experience just to go back to my kitty in the park and throw a ball. Yes. Not to put any pressure on myself, not to have any expectations. It basically reset to zero. All right, if our zero is throwing a ball in a park, where can you go from there? Yes. Two years later, I was invited by JP Morgan to give a speech, a keynote speech at Savings and Pensions uh, event that they were hosting. There was you know, politicians and all sorts there. And I did it. And it, and it went down very mm. well. And I say the thing that, that struck me is the thing that stood out from that weekend in Glen Eagles, beautiful, by the way, w was not giving that speech, not being able to do that, was the fact that I went on a 27-mile bike ride Wow! with someone who was there. And they said to me at the table, do you fancy going for a bike ride? And I hadn't been since my back went. And I went, yeah, go on then. This was before my year of yes as yes. well. Um, and I just thought, wow, I don't think I would have even done that before my back went. So just set yourself to zero and mm. you will...
but that that Blow level of ac- that level of acceptance as well is fascinating because I mean you you mention about the pain initially of um and feeling bereft and yeah um you know that I I can only imagine oh my god there's no cure but then the acceptance of that and the development from there is phenomenal um moving back to year of yes if we were to um try to give the listeners some practical takeaways of how they mm-hmm. can implement this in their own life. You know, I, I'm sure that the listeners will be absolutely motivated and inspired by what you've said. But there might be a disconnect between, yeah, yes, this is great. But actually, how do I do it today? Yeah, well, mm. what's, the, what's the first steps? Let's say somebody was to embrace this today, the moment they listen to the podcast. What, in your eyes, do you believe they should do to get started? It's a bit difficult to give advice in this field. Because a lot of people mm. have, um, I guess, a set job. Yeah. Whereas because my job, I I write, I broadcast, I give speeches, host panels, da 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 da. Um, it's a bit different. But for my first and foremost would say, get on LinkedIn. Goodness me, get on LinkedIn. You find loads of networking events. I know people say, oh, are they? yes, actually, networking is so key. Sure. All of the opportunities I got given. Uh, and thank you to everyone who gave me those opportunities, I would like to point out. Um, we're either word of mouth or through through LinkedIn. Okay, so first step is to create the opportunities for the opportunities to come to you. Absolutely, absolutely. And remember, like, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of reluctant when I say about networking because what does networking actually mean? And mm. we've all been to those events where you're just standing around and you don't know anyone and you yep. think... Is this the moment when I'm going to get offered? No, it doesn't really work. I'm just It's fostering your networks. And those networks can be your friends. Yes. They can be, put your, absolutely put yourself in a position in which people will ask you for these things. You know, like I said, LinkedIn is such an amazing tool. If you're an expert in whatever business, whatever, Carl, you've come across, you know, you'll write content for yes. it. And, but meaningful content. You know, add some value. Where do you see yourself adding sure. value so o- opening doors and making yourself easy to have the um easy to be referred easy to have opportunities passed your way um so, so that's the first step L- let's say these opportunities start coming mm. um so we've you know we've attended a couple of events or if we don't like the bni style events we've um you know decided to create talk your to friends. Own. yeah talk to friends or gone out for coffees or what, whatever it is we want to do um let's say we start getting some fruit was there any filters that you applied before saying yes? No. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't have done something morally unethical, etc., etc., etc. Was I... there any ever? <laughs> was there ever any um, hesitation yeah. of saying yes to something in case something better came up? Oh no, 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 no! Because these are all these were all one job opportunity okay. type things. Sure. Um, and there was a situation where a sort of longer term contract came up and then I was offered something better and I did take the something that when I say better, I don't mean a better work position. I just meant it was for suiting for my life. Sure. At the time. But these were and, and I want to be clear, this isn't about um, every time a job comes up, you just chuck in where you're at, you know, if yes. you spent 10 years. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. And some of the things I did. Lots of things I did were for free. Sure. Right. And and that's something that you you have to get you even now, even now I'll do these things for free if I think yes. it's worth it or if I think I'll enjoy it. Sure. Because 
just remember to take a photograph and put it on social media if you want to make the most out of it. Absolutely. But you know what I mean? That is as much value sometimes as a couple of hundred quid to do a, a speech or whatever yes. you would get paid. Um, so, yeah, there's that, I think. Brilliant. And was there any experiences where you look back and not particularly where you weren't good at it, but you really regret saying yes? No. You don't have to name them, by no, the way. No, no, not at all. There's nothing that I there's nothing I regretted saying yes to at all because I learned from absolutely everything. There were times when I didn't do very well. I still think about those times. Sure. I still think about those times. Um I learned a really, really useful lesson on one of them was you asked me if I was hesitant about saying yes to one was an after dinner speech that I gave and I thought Well, that's a, that's going to be a tough crowd. Well, um, <laughs> after little a few drinks. did I know. Well, you say that. Little did I know. I was expecting, after dinner speech for a finance company, this is going to be sort of a bunch of, and I'm sorry for saying this, sort of 50, 60-year-old guys, yep. you know, bit of a booze up. No, it was nothing like this. This was like 80-year-old women or something. My speech was totally pitched at, at the... Oh, <laughs> at, no. You know, it was my time in sports journalism and I had these anecdotes and I thought it was a great speech and actually there was a 50-year-old guy or something that right next to me said to afterwards to his wife, that was brilliant. And I think his wife was like, what did she just say? <laughs> um, and, but I, I, I remember thinking, I really, I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. And I'm not sure why. I, you know, I'd done weirder stuff before sure. that time. Um, but I tried to outprice them. Okay. So I, they offered something, and then I went, ah, oh, do you know what? Um, uh, I need to get more money, or whatever reason. Yep. But they kept meeting me, and I thought at some stage I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I said yes, but I thought it put so much pressure on me to do it. I actually hired a speechwriter to help me. But he was absolutely useless. Mm. I thought I've only employed you because the money put pressure on me. And actually, he didn't do anything. He literally didn't do anything. Sure. And I even I said to him afterwards, "Do you feel that that was justified?" Yes, I feel it's justified. Give me mm. the money. And I was like, "Okay, that's fine." And it was a lesson to me that I really didn't need to do that. And actually, had it been a speech that I'd given for free, yes. Would I have ever, ever dreamed of doing it? Of course I wouldn't. So sometimes it is just trust yourself that you've got that. You know, I would never have done yeah. that. I but never... the, op the opportunity came for you for a reason. Yeah, but don't... Because, well... because regardless of how many doors you open and so on, you wouldn't have been offered that opportunity had the booker not believed you were in the position and able to deliver. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but also, yeah, that is quite... I think that's a bit of a lesson because a lot of us think, right, well, I know what I want to do. Or da, da, do I do I employ someone to help me? Mm. And oftentimes it really helps. At the moment, I've got a life coach sure. or an executive coach, whatever you call it. She's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I couldn't recommend I mean, it might just be her. But there are people I've employed in, like this guy mm. who was really not brilliant. And I know that's quite a difficult thing to sort of work out. But I think we do think oh, well, can I just get someone to help me? Sometimes just trust yourself. Yeah. You've got this. And do you know what? If you haven't got this, 
You'll get it next time. You'll work out how. Exactly. Georgie, that's fantastic. What we're going to do now, we're going to Uh-oh. move on to the rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, there is actually so much I could ask you, and we might we might have podcast round three at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but w- what we do for rapid fire questions for the listeners who haven't heard the show format before is, Georgie, I'm just going to ask you some off-the-cuff questions. Okay. And these, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. And that's quite deliberate because we want to get the answers that come off the top of the head. Okay. So the first one is going to be, over the last six months to a year, what purchase have you made for around £50 or so? Could be a bit more, could be a bit less, um, that's had the most impact on your life? That's a difficult question to answer. Um... Mm, that's a hard one. Uh, this is going to make terrible listening, isn't no, it? No, no, no. Think... Uh, honestly. Because um, as soon as you said that, I thought, what's the purchase I've made? And I was going to say my beloved car. And I thought, sadly, it wasn't 50 quid. No. Um, I would... There's... Oh, goodness me. Probably... Um, can I say my gym membership? Of course you can. Okay, great. My gym so membership the, is only re- twenty six ninety nine a month, but it's the best per. And I've, but actually, to be fair, I've only had it for two months because I've just moved into my new flat. Fantastic. So that comes as that, fifty quid. Best thing counts. I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. So um, the whole purpose of that question is is for things that are relatively accessible that most listeners will be able to buy and to inspire them that you know what I, I can actually go out and do that. So gym membership's great. I've had everything from little plastic devices that stop snoring. Oh, yeah. You know, honestly, like nose clips that cost a couple of quid um, through to Bluetooth headphones for taking calls, all sorts. Okay. But if you would have overfought it, then it you know, it would have diluted it. So gym membership is the answer. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go for that. I love it. I Brilliant. Love it. So another one that's going to um, cause you to be on the hop a little bit. If you were to set up a mastermind group with three other people, yeah, okay, who could guide you and advise you in your life. Now they can be um, fictional, non-fictional, dead, alive. Who, who would you choose? A mastermind. I yeah, three of... my mastermind topic there. No, no, my three dad, other people, without okay. a question of a doubt, my dad. It's interesting because I've been thinking about this recently. I was talking about it with my life coach. Is there's a I can't remember who said it, but the five people that you spend the most time with are the five people you become. Yes. And I have noticed that I am gravitating towards certain people um, or, or more because those are the sorts of people I want to be like. Sure. In a way. So my dad is one of them. He has this uh, joie de vivre, the, the, the lust for life, for learning. The, he's like a child. It can be quite annoying at times, um, as I'm sure I can as well. But it's inspiring. Sure. He is just wants to learn all the time and he's what, knocking on 70. Fantastic. Um, fant- brilliant attitude, brilliant guy, a joy to be around. It would always be my dad. My life coach has been really important to me. Um, at and what, what's her name? Isabel. Isabel, okay. Uh, Isabel Mortimer. I think it's only, it's only fair she gets a shout Isabel out. Isabel Mortimer so. has been absolutely brilliant. I've had her for about a year now and it's just, yeah, really, really great. And um, the third person in my life, this is really bad because if I don't say someone like my mum or something, you know, uh, my family and friends and all those sorts of things are really, really sure. important. But these are the people, I guess, that would uh, would yeah, drive you forward. Is that who you yes. want around you? Um, a good girlfriend that I have that is just a fantastic sounding board for love, for life, for everything. I think we all, it's I call it therapy. It is. It's free therapy having a best mate. Who's who's that? Are you happy to give her a shout out? Yeah, Kat. So she's... Fantastic. 
So it's a, it's always designed as a very tricky number. Three. Yeah, three is very tricky because if I say one, you would have had that straight away. Yeah. And if I'd have said 20, you could have just ruled off a list. Yeah, that would have been boring. That everywhere. forced you to choose. Okay, so um, next question is um, when it comes to books, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of books mm. during the episode so far, uh, but what book have you recommended to the most people? Oh, I'm going to be so honest with you. Okay, if it wasn't for the for Mindset, which is probably my number one that I recommend, um, recommended it to a, a Premier League manager the other day. I would say it... <laughs> I, I'm laughing because um, it's called The Female Brain by Dr. Luan Brizendine. Okay. I won't tell you what I say when I recommend it to men. It's quite crude. But if you ever want to understand women... And women, if you ever want to understand yourselves, read this book. Okay. The female Brain, Dr. Luan Brizendine. As a guy, you'll be strutting around like you know, like Mel Gibson or whatever it is in, in What Women Want, right? You will know. Everything. So every every male listening to this podcast, gonna go my, out. my audience is 59% male, 41% female, um, according to my analytics. Yeah. So we're going to see it skyrocket on Amazon. I was about to say, yeah, peaks on Amazon. Yes, that, that would be the, the book that I, I would recommend. Fantastic. And two last questions. Um, so the first one is, what's the best bit of advice that you've ever been given? Um, the problem with these quick fire questions, do you know, do you like my delaying tactic, um, is that you'll, you'll think of something, but that doesn't necessarily give you the, the right answer straight away. I don't know if it's the right bit of advice, but it's something that I read that struck with me the most. And I know that you are a fan of tattoos. Yes. And this is a tattoo that I would like to get one day, maybe when I'm 80, I said. It was, it's a, it's a Hebrew phrase. Um, and so the story goes, and I could be totally wrong if I've got a couple of minutes to say it. Yeah, was, of course. Um, uh, so King Solomon, I believe it was, uh, wanted to humiliate one of his courtiers. And so said, um, I want you by the festival of Sukkot in six months time or whatever, um, to get me something that when I'm sad will make me happy and when I'm happy will make me sad. So this courtier goes out. Day before, he's absolutely bereft. He can't find anything. And he's walking around the markets and he sees a, a, a poor guy selling jewellery uh, on the floor. And he sees him pick up a ring and he starts to engrave in that ring. Uh, after he'd said, you know, I need to find something for the king. Mm. And it was three, he- three Hebrew letters. Uh, I'm going to get it wrong, but yeah, Gimel Zion, anyway, in Yod, Gimel Zion Yod. Um, and so he took it to the king, and the king said, oh, right, you've done it, because it said, this too shall pass, Gamze Yavor. Sure. And I, and why, why that sort of sticks with me is, there were great moments, there are great mm. moments in life, they won't last. No. And there are bad moments in life, and they won't last either. So whenever you feel that doesn't mean and that means it's okay, because I think sometimes when we have good times, we don't allow ourselves to to use a Sheryl Sandberg phrase here to lean into those times, lean into those times because they yeah. don't last and accept what's happening and, le- yeah. and learn and grow from all of them. You know, life is a, a tapestry of experience of, of emotions. All of it will pass and much sooner than you realize. So 
you know, learn to embrace both the good and the bad. Georgie, that was a great use of delaying tactic. Thanks. So I, got, <laughs> I got you what you wanted, didn't I? I did. I did. So the final question. So that was que- from a friend actually did tell me that, that. Fantastic. So the final question is, if there was any bit of advice that you can go back and give your 18-year-old self, what would it be? You've got this. Fantastic. <laughs> like, you've got this. Don't stress. You've got this. Brilliant. Georgie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Where can the listeners find out more about you? Goodness me, I'm on Twitter, G-E-C Frost. Um, you can listen to my podcasts, This Is Money and This Is Money Ball, and just listen out on a variety of radio stations and read the newspapers. Fantastic. Georgie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Carl Reader Show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and tell your friends. This podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, D&T Advisory, helping you unlock the magic in your business by adding value, not numbers. Find out more at www.team-dt.com. QuickBooks, helping UK small businesses stay on top of their finances.